All right, welcome back everyone to Talk to Tatiana's show. And today with me, I have a very special guest, Daphne Williams. Welcome, Daphne. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on your show. Awesome. And I'm excited for you to be here because I think that what you do, what you're doing with your business is pretty phenomenal. But before we talk about that, um, if you don't mind, talk about um, how you get you got started. Like, tell us your story kind of. Yeah. So my story is probably a little bit unique, but I feel like everybody has their own unique story. I um, was a elementary school teacher. And after a few years in the classroom, I suffered from some severe burnout. And I ended up leaving the classroom and pursuing other roles um, in in the education industry. So I started working as an educational consultant. And with that role, I found myself having a lot of free time. And during that free time, I explored you know, passive income streams, just selling digital curriculum as a teacher and really starting very, very small and building my confidence as an entrepreneur. During that process of working as an educational consultant and creating my own passive income streams, I found more and more opportunity to create and serve an audience that was really personal to me and my own story, which was a demographic of teachers who were struggling and wanted to figure out a career outside of the classroom that was going to be the right fit for them. So I ultimately launched um, what's called the Teacher Career Coach course, which walks them through step-by-step the transition process. And it's been a wild ride of upward journey for sure with a lot of interest just because it's incredibly niche and an underserved audience. That's awesome. And it's great that you basically, um, you know, sometimes people start businesses because they, let's say, see a, a, a void that needs to be filled. And what's great about what you've done is that you are the earlier version of the people um, that are, um, people who are your, whom, whom you're serving are the earlier version of you. They, and you know, And you know when, where they are and kind of what they struggle with. And that's, um, and that's kind of amazing. And, and I want you to talk a little bit about how this kind of being on your own, being your own boss, how that journey felt. Um, were there any surprises, any kind of struggles in the beginning or lessons that you've learned kind of? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even coming from the classroom into that educational consultant position, that was an independent contractor, freelancer type of position. So out of nowhere, I went from having a very toxic work environment that I had no autonomy and to all of this freedom and with all this freedom, the responsibility to fill the time that I had left. Um, After working 60 hours a week, I found myself working 20 or 30 hours a week on my duties. But then I had all this extra time and energy back and I had to really figure out a way to fill up that time um, strategically. I, I realized that my brain can go all over the place. And when I'm excited about something, especially in my own business, I can open up too many projects at the same time and ultimately not move forward in the right direction on one project, just have a couple of, or just have, you know, 10 different tabs open that aren't all (laughs) completed at the same time. So I've, it's 
been about two years now of me really maintaining my mindset around staying productive and focused and limiting all of the projects that I have planned. That's awesome. So basically doing less, right? As opposed to doing more. <laughs> yeah, because I started out doing everything entirely on my own, like most people do. I, you know, created every blog post and I designed my website on my own and I did my own social media. And whether or not those first iterations were good would be something that we can debate later. But, you know, you you have to learn all the structures of your business. But during that time, you are definitely trying too much. And now, luckily, I've scaled to the um, point where I do have a virtual assistant who is kind of my right hand person at, at the company. And she's helped take so many different things off of my plate. And, and even having another person is a lot of accountability for making sure that I'm on track and not just having an excited moment like, oh, this, this week, I'm gonna create six courses or something that's unreasonable because there's somebody else now that has to deal with my insanity. Yeah, totally. I mean, when I hired my assistant for the practice, it just, just making that arrangement felt amazing. <laughs> so I totally understand where you come from with that. That's awesome. So, I mean, you came from the world of burnout, um, not as an entrepreneur, but as a, as a, as an employee. And, um, when you started kind of, when this business took off, um, you kind of were not, I don't want to say used to the burnout, but sort of like, um, could manage it well. Is that, is that correct? It's something that I've noticed happens with a lot of former teachers who are kind of leaving in the same capacity as I was. I, my man, my level of burnout was to the um, to the point that I had to find myself going to the doctor very often for some stress-related illnesses that I, you know, I couldn't figure out what I thought was wrong with me. And every time I went to the doctor's office, they would just say like, this is prolonged stress. And I think many people probably can resonate with that now after 2020 and 2021. I'm sure all of our bodies are doing some funky things right now. But it wasn't something that I'd ever... Um, experienced before. And my burnout was severe enough that it it had some mental health struggles associated with it as well. And other teachers that I've talked to, the second we're removed from that toxic situation, and it's not teaching in general, it just, this was for me, a work environment that fostered this type of burnout, not necessarily the profession itself. But the second we're removed from that, you almost feel like an immediate release. So any job after that um, felt like a night and day difference, even though we were probably still working long hours. There's a former teacher that I talked to that is a software engineer, and she went through a three-month, you know, she said grueling coding camp. And she said that there were grown men that were you know, breaking down, just saying this is too extreme. And she's like, well, I was a third grade teacher. And honestly, um, this sucks. But it's, you know, it's, it's still a lot easier than the last thing that I was doing. And it's, it feels like we're being overdramatic. But, you know, it just depends on your work environment and your specific situation. If you're it, 
build some grit in a lot of us after we've been in that situation. You know, I actually, when I went for my MBA, um, I had, there was someone, you, you for your MBA, you could choose to specialize in accounting, which I didn't need to because I already had a bachelor's in accounting, but there were a number of people in class in the cohort that um, wanted to pursue the CPA track or accounting. And there was this one guy, um, you know, everybody, I'm very much against the big four accounting firms because they take over your life. Basically, they um, make you work um, long hours every day and you basically lose your health over these few years that you work. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to be denied um, um, a, an internship at a big four firm. So, and I ended up in a small firm where I got hands-on experience right away. There was this one guy who in the class who said, you know, I want to go for the big four, which is very, you know, ego sort of um, satisfying thing or whatever prestige. And, you know, I work for this big firm that's awesome, whatever. But, um, you know, and I asked him, like, are you crazy? You're going to work 70, 80, 90 hours a week. Like, what are you doing? He's like, well, listen, I was a teacher. Like, for me, um, working this time is like not a big deal. I've already been working till 10 o'clock at night. So, and, and that was the first time for me when I realized that teachers work so much. And I think one of the things that people don't really realize with teaching as a profession is it feels like it's very, you know, low stakes. I was working with fifth grade students and they said cute, funny things. And I liked the lessons that I was teaching, but it's a lot to do with like decision fatigue. There's 30 different human beings and 30 different decisions I'm making almost at all times. Well, I know this student's low in this level and this student's high in this level. And then when we go to the very next lesson, there's 30 more decisions. And each day there's between five and seven different things you need to know everything about, whether it's, you know, uh, United States history or, and it's fifth grade math, but fifth grade math, how you would teach it to 30 different little human beings and how all of those 30 little human beings, parents would react if you didn't give them enough attention here or there. And they, it seems like small decisions, but having all of those tabs open in your brain is is mentally exhausting. And it the second you get into a new profession, or you start working in a different atmosphere, if you get any job where you feel like you're on autopilot, even if it's hard, I've, I've taught coding classes, which is something that I thought, oh, this is going to be difficult. But if I just get to learn something and then repeat it, 30 times for an hour, you know, that's a dream for me after coming from that place where every single day was so many different decisions. Well, that's a, certainly gives you a different perspective on teachers for those who are listening and are or watching and are parents. Um, certainly kind of makes you appreciate the teachers more. I mean, we appreciate teachers to begin with, um, certainly in our school, but um, the behind the scenes work, um, that we don't see, I think, is undervalued a lot. I think one of the the things that is why I really wanted to start this business is many teachers who are struggling mentally um, or even, you know, physically impacted by the stress of their position, or they just have kind of always felt in their gut like, ooh, maybe this isn't my forever career it's always been too scary to actually admit that because 
it's such a noble profession and everybody says, you know, oh, this is your calling and, um, you know, you're in it for the kids and it makes you feel guilty thinking of something different. Like you signed this invisible contract that said, this is your forever career and you are a saint for the rest of your life. And if you want to walk away and work for any other industry, it feels like there's some stigma attached to it. And so I think that there are so many people who um, might need that type of support to know that it's okay to, you know, choose your your own personal well-being over the well-being of others um, and and have somebody speak to them authentically because, you you know, it's, it's like when you are a mother, and I'm not a mother, so I can't really speak to this that well, but just saying like the days that you are struggling with being a mother or the duties of being a mother, some some people are afraid to give to actually open up and be honest about that because they make it they think that it makes them less of who they are. And teaching is just one of those unique industries that it's not an easy pivot like it would be if you work at a let's say I've worked at education companies. If I was in a sales enablement team and I wanted to move over to marketing to learn more graphic design or do more of the like the customer learning experience, it would be easy for me to say, hey, I feel a little stagnant in this position and I'll move over here. But teaching it's teaching and it's administration and maybe one or two district level positions. But other than that, you know, you're either in that industry or you need to figure out how to get out and how to make yourself come to terms with it. Uh, and that's basically what you do with your course, right? So you help teachers find, well, first of all, get unstuck, I guess. Can you talk a little bit about what you do and how you help teachers specifically, but how that can apply to other professions where people may feel, feel stuck? Yeah, so my course covers um, a couple of different mindset challenges that I think is universal to any sort of career pivot. And I um, I do think that women suffer a lot more from imposter syndrome than men. Uh, that's just a personal opinion. I don't have a lot of data to back that up, but I'll just say it. And uh, so what I do is I... I talk to the teachers about the mindset challenges that they're going to face just head on as they start the course. I want to build that solid foundation and let them know there are parts of a career pivot that are going to bring you down. Because for me, that was one of the biggest challenges. Um, If you start to send out your resume and you don't hear a lot of response, it's very easy to say, I'm not qualified for any of these positions. And so this is too hard. And I'm going to stay in a situation where I'm unhappy because nothing else is possible. Um, Imposter syndrome, even when it comes to just looking at different careers and understanding whether or not you're actually qualified for it. Uh, Many teachers look at positions and they say, I'm you know, I don't have any project management skills. I don't have any managerial skills. There's no way that I could apply for these. And I have to, you know, wave the magic wand in front of them and tell them like, you manage teacher's assistants, you set their schedules, you had teacher's assistants come in, that's managerial skills. You had 12 months worth of extreme curriculum 
that you chunked into tiny little lessons and you delegated it out. And then you, at the end of every quarter, you checked the assessment pieces for your students and you pivoted and you changed directions and you differentiated to make sure that your students got to a certain level by the end of, I said 12 months, but nine nine months of school. That's project planning. Like you have skills, whether or not you know how to translate it. And you have to start first learning what these skills are called in different industries so that, you know, there are some skills that you won't have um, right off the bat, but there, once you identify where those skill gaps are, there's ways that you can build those skills on the side by taking online courses or doing other sorts of, um, like hands-on learning experiences. So just really focusing on imposter syndrome and and making sure that they understand that there are many of these jobs that they are qualified for right off the bat. And then the last part of the mindset challenge is just accepting that like some of this is out of your control and that stinks and it's going to bring you down and make you blame yourself. You can be the perfect candidate. You can go in and the hiring manager can say, I don't think that a teacher translates into this profession and that might build you down, but that's not the universal rule. That's one hiring manager's experience. Or you might go somewhere and they might think you're the perfect fit and they end up hiring, you know, someone in marketing's cousin, even though they know he's not as qualified. And there are just things that our brain wants to blame on ourselves when our, like our career self-esteem is low. We, we start to think, you know, that's, all our fault. But it it honestly is just just realizing this is the norm. This is what's in in front of me and building that foundation before they even get started. That's awesome. Um, And I know that you also um, help kind of teachers with the resume writing and other things. Why do you think that? um, Well, your niche is teachers. But why do you think teachers are, are people who um, could benefit from this type of service. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, so uh, like part of the aha moment where I knew I needed to make this course was when I was searching other jobs for teachers, crying at night, drinking mimosas and having a mental breakdown, I couldn't find anything. And I knew I needed to translate my resume. And then when I was speaking at national conferences and I was saying, hi, I'm Daphne. I'm a former teacher. I had teachers come up whispering and saying, wait, you said you were a former teacher. How did you get from point A to point B? And it was just apparent that there was nobody serving this specific audience, especially when it came to transition resumes. But I think one of the biggest challenges for teachers is they've never had to write a transition resume before because they went into this industry thinking it was their forever career. And so when they go to rewrite their resume for a corporate job, They have imposter syndrome and they start to think, well, I shouldn't put project planning down or I shouldn't put managerial skills or even budgeting skills um, when maybe they worked on the PTA budget for six months out of the year, but they just can't accept and acknowledge what they have actually accomplished in their career. But then a lot of them struggle with taking out the teacher, the um, pedagogy language. So they want to talk about student IEPs and they want to talk about, well, I was a fifth grade teacher. Do you think I'm qualified for this or that? And I think that that's something that 
your story is personal to you, whether or not you're a teacher or not. Your your career history, your accomplishments, that's something that you want to hold on to. But one of the things when you're writing your resume that you have to realize is you can't tell them every part of your personal story. You want it to be streamlined to sell yourself for that specific role. So maybe you have a bullet point that talks about all of these different um, accomplishments that you have ready to go. But if you're not applying for a job that has anything to do with fifth grade curriculum, you probably shouldn't tell them about your fifth grade curriculum. If you are still using words that mean that a hiring manager would need to make an inference on what you're trying to tell them, then your resume needs some work. Yeah. And I think that applies to not only teachers, um, but also to everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you do need to adapt your resume to show the skills that you have, but you know, we're not talking about deception here, but talk about skills that you have, but um, that you emphasize or highlight, I guess, when you apply for, for um, a different position, not a teaching position or switch careers or whatever, right? Um, Daphne, as we wrap up here today, I wanted to ask you, what would be the one thing that someone listening or watching this, this interview could walk away with if they found themselves stuck um, in their career, whether it's teaching or not, what would be the one thing that they can do today to help themselves um, get unstuck? Yeah, I think depending on what situation they're in, I, I, I think my favorite piece of kind of universal advice, whether you're a career pivoter or you're starting a business or you're scaling your business, just right now, be comfortable with failing in some capacity and just acknowledge in the future, I'm going to fail at something has been a lesson that was very hard for me to learn throughout my journey, but it's been like the most powerful and, um, you know, most rewarding lesson that I've learned is I know that if I apply for a job that's a little bit out of my league, there's a very good chance that I'm going to fail. And I would not be where I was today in my career or my business if I wasn't comfortable with, with failing. And I think that's one thing that most people struggle with is, is putting themselves outside of their comfort zone in any sort of capacity. But if you're struggling in any sort of way, you have to acknowledge that there's going to be some level of discomfort in order for you to make a positive change in any, in any part of your life. I love it. Thanks so much for sharing that advice. And Lastly, how do people find you? How do they connect with you? Uh, so I have an Instagram that is teacher career coach. And then I have a website, teachercareercoach.com. And those would be the easiest ways to find me. If you happened to be a former teacher or wanted to hear former teacher stories, I also have a podcast called the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much, Daphne, for coming on and sharing uh, your story and those wonderful tips and insights into this um, honorable profession. Um, Thanks so much for, for taking the time. All right. Thank you so much.